0: good morning, uh, <clears throat> just for everyone on our viewers, uh, good morning, and we're glad to have you this morning. Uh, the reason why I was making such funny faces is that half our fellowship just exited, <laughs> a mass exodus, but thats I think that's what happens sometimes. I think it was during one of the conferences that uh, we had so many kids that after the worship, when the kids left, we were left with like one third of everyone there. And it was like, wow. <laughs> so, oh, uh, I did want to make a couple announcements uh, just before I begin. For one, uh, Boots passed away this Friday. So please just keep uh, Jane and the family uh, in your prayers. Just keep us all in your prayers. Um, uh, our hearts would continue turned unto the Lord uh, and that the Lord would use all things for the good. Um, It's funny when when my mom was uh, we all knew she was going to pass away and it was like settled with us but when it happened it was like whoa Uh, you know it's going to happen but when it actually happens it just kind of takes you by surprise. Um, But so please just keep the family in your prayers, keep us all in your prayers. Uh, Another announcement, Brother Lumen uh, and the birds and Judy will be coming in sometime tomorrow, is that right, tomorrow afternoon? I don't have the text, I don't have my phone up here. By the way, if your phone is on, (laughs) put it on airplane mode. If you don't know what airplane mode is, you can (sighs) cut it off. (laughs) We'll never notice uh, the reasoning why, but ever, all the viewers uh, or anyone listening to the audio will always be like, hey, what's that sound? And that's our phones. So that's uh, basically all the announcements I had. Um, <clears throat> what, what's been on my heart uh, just here recently, and really it's been on my heart since July 2014 and maybe a little bit before is concerning the the journey of Abraham and I have for a title for this uh for this morning experiencing Christ and it's funny but um I never really considered Abraham until the Lord directed my heart to start reading about him and just reading the whole story about him. And he's considered uh, the father of the faithful, the father of faith. And when you think about it, of our concepts of of today versus what the scripture is declaring, uh, it doesn't really match up or line up. And in, in this sense, when you read the story of Abram, Abraham, I'm still where he's called Abram. Uh, when you read the whole story of Abraham, you never see like a miracle or a sign or a wonder that happens with this man. You never see uh, someone getting healed, or at least I haven't seen it so far in my studies. You don't see any all these things that we consider uh, great faith to produce or to, to be able to witness And the reason is basically because our whole concept of faith is not God's reality of faith. In fact, I'll just go a step further. Our whole concept of every single term in the scripture is not what God knows it to be. Uh, i still have concepts and all a concept is is my my thought concerning something you know it's it's i make i make a judgment based upon what i see learn read hear, or whatever and that's a concept um, and we all have concepts we have we have concepts whether whether we read and learn it it's 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 kind of like this if if a person has no, has never heard of something, and then when, when someone else introduces whatever they've never heard of, now they have a bias. And not only do they have a bias, they have a concept. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll give an example. A, uh, a platterpus. I have a concept of a platypus. It is like a beaver duck. You know, I mean, that's my concept of it. Uh, I've seen pictures, I've read about it, I've seen it on the television, but I've actually never seen one up close. I've never seen the real deal. All I've received is what I've read, what I've heard, what I've listened to, what I've seen from afar. And all that is a concept until I see the actual thing itself, the actual substance itself. All right, now that's a very shallow uh, example But in everything concerning the things of God, that which pertains to God, in everything concerning the Scripture, we have a concept. We have a concept based upon what we've read or even what we've heard or um, what we've seen with our natural eyes. We have a concept. And that's, it's neither here nor there as long as we don't hold on to that concept and say these very words, I've got it, I understand it, I know it. Because first of all, that's our getting, our understanding, and our knowing, which is in all reality, darkness. It is darkness. And uh, it's darker than that blackboard behind me. Everything we can see with our natural eyes, hear with our natural ears, and understand with our natural brain is darkness. The only light, and please listen to me, the only light is to be received, the light which is the testimony. The light of the testimony directs our hearts to see the true light, who is Christ Himself, a person where it's no longer a concept where, where all, all that I, I read and I understood the scripture to say it goes beyond my understanding of what I understood, unto God Himself making known His Son, who it is all about, and God alone defining His Son. And see, we'll read a passage and we will define what it means. You know, uh, I do it, I, I've got lexicons, I've got concordances, I've got Bible dictionaries, I'll read, I'll study, and now at least, and I'm very thankful for this of the Lord, now at least I know that all that gathering, all that reading, all that study is to serve one purpose. So that the Spirit of God can take everything that I've learned, everything that I've been taught Concerning Jesus, concerning Christ, concerning our salvation, concerning God. That the Holy Spirit can take all these things and use them to prepare the ground of my heart so that the Spirit of God himself can turn my heart unto the Lord. Can bring my heart from my own understanding of the scriptures unto God's understanding, which is his Son. Everything of God, in fact, I mentioned it, all things work together for the good. Uh, I think Paul mentioned it, he said, we know that all things work together for the good, for them that love God who are called according to his purpose, okay? Well, for one thing, what are these all things? All things of God, all things that God has introduced, all things that God has has presented unto the soul of man are working for the good, are working for the good, but the good so that we can finally have audio (laughs) this morning, Sorry, that's an inside joke. Everyone that was here before everyone else knows what I'm talking about. We literally had audio right before the singing, which was about 10.30. Yeah, 10.30. Around around 10.29, we finally got audio. There you go. No, that's not the good. That is not the good. In Genesis, we find where God himself defines the good. In Genesis chapter 1, and I'll just uh, go ahead and read it. Give me a second i'm not there yet genesis chapter 1 starting with verse 1. in the beginning god created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of god moved upon the face of the waters and god said let there be light and there was light god did not say i'm going to create light and it does not say and god created light no 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 god said let there be He made known the light that was there from before all else was created he made known the light who is christ himself and then it says this in verse uh, 4 and god saw the light that it was good and god divided the light from the darkness all things of god are working together for this good this one end that god himself may make known his son Unto the soul, and not just unto the soul, but in the soul, because uh, the Apostle Paul later on picks it up in Colossians, excuse me, not Colossians, but Corinthians, when he's speaking to the Corinthian church, he says he's basically quoting this passage, and it's in uh, Corinthians 4, verse 6, and everyone probably has this memorized. But uh, verse 6 For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, a direct reference. To Genesis what we just read chapter 1 verses 1 through 4 hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ in the very person of Christ the Son of God himself all things of God are working towards this end man cannot define the Son of God man cannot define Christ he cannot do it though he tries cannot do it I listen I cannot I had I used to think this before I went to Bible school I was involved in a a college ministry and uh, I used to think I I I used to think this listen to this I had this concept that I could only bring others as far as I have myself have walked with the Lord now that sounds good right it sounded great to me I mean, the Lord used it to make me realize, my God, I really don't know you at all, so I'm not bringing anybody anywhere. And, that, and then after about two, three years, I ended up in Bible school. Well, I'm glad that the Lord could be able to speak to my heart through regardless of my concepts and use all things together for the good. And see, what I understand now is that I cannot bring anyone to Christ. Man cannot bring man unto Christ. Man can't do this. It is a miracle of God. Jesus said this, No man can come to me except the Father draw him. But I will say this, If the Father does draw, the soul will come, the heart will come. It cannot do anything but come. I was talking to um, Elton earlier, (laughs) <laughs> it's funny because I—I'll I, I, never forget it. I remember this. Before I got born again, I wanted—well, for one thing, nothing to do with religion because I'd already tried that. I'd done that in in high school with my friends that were going to church on Sundays and Wednesdays and the uh, and the uh, um, what were they called? Like the what? Youth group. Youth group. Yeah, yeah, youth group. And the, and then they'd go on on uh, things. I can't even remember what you call those. But anyway, retreats. retreats yes, I did that. I. I did that, my my heart, my soul was looking for something real, and I didn't find it there. And I'm not downing all that, no, I'm not downing all that. My heart was not yet prepared to receive. At the age of 20, 20 years, think about that, it took me 20 years for the Spirit of God to prepare the ground of my heart for one thing. To receive reality in the person of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Took 20 years, a week before I received the Lord. I remember I could tell, it was like something's happening, I'm not doing it, man isn't doing this because I already know what man could do. I'm being drawn. It's kind of like you're on a slide and you're beginning to pick up momentum, you know, going down the slide. It's like something's going on, I have no control of this. So I started praying, hey, I know it's, it's not in man's ability right here. I, got, I need to make a deal with God real quick because something's about to go down. And my, my prayer was this. Lord, take my heart. I'll give you my life. I'll give you my heart. Uh, forgive me for doing this, doing that. You, do whatever you want, God. Because I could tell something real was happening. Something of reality was finally, finally getting the attention of my heart. And at the time, all I could do was... Strike a deal with God before everything goes down. (laughs) Like, if we can make a deal with God, I was talking to Elton about this. It's funny, I realize now I wasn't striking a deal with God. I was praying something that was in God's own heart for my soul, and not only my soul, but every single soul that He created. Because up until that time, I had experienced religion, religious people, and I said, I will do whatever you want, God. I will do whatever you want. Just do not make me like one of those. i wanted something real. And more than me, and more than us wanting something real, God wants reality for our soul. He created our soul for nothing less than his son, who is the reality of eternity, the reality of all things. That's why even this natural creation that I told you earlier, that is in complete darkness... That's why this natural creation was created. For nothing less than Christ himself. See, we think this is real when it's not. It's all darkness. But see, we don't, our our concept of darkness and our concept of light is, is far skewed from reality. Because compared to Christ himself who is The eternal light of God, it is darkness. Think of it this way Christ, who is life, everything else is death. But I thought I had life before I was born again. Not so. I never knew life. And the moment I received Christ, I received everything God ever wanted to give me at one moment, the moment of new birth. I just didn't know what I received. so I continued on, and on my own little ignorant merry way. And I'm not downing anyone, I still, I'm still pretty darn ignorant. <laughs> and I've discovered that any time that I confess anything less to the Lord, that I'm actually putting a big stop sign in front of the Holy Spirit. Because indeed what I'm saying is that I've got it, I've got this thing down, I can do this, I know this. But you see, man in man's knowing will never know the son. Jesus also said, no man knoweth the son but the father. And no man knoweth the father but the son, and here's our hope, and he unto whom he will reveal him. That's why a person who who has just been born again and who is born again cannot say, we did this, I did this, they cannot, it is impossible. It is in, completely impossible. I cannot boast in that I made myself born again. That is impossible. I cannot boast in saying, oh, well, you know, on such and such date, I decided to receive the Lord. No, no, that is impossible, It's completely impossible. It's just, as, it's just the, like the same, you know, here's, here's the example of man's ability. Here's the rich young ruler okay? He, he's got the law down. I can do this. That's basically what he said. I know this. I've studied it out. I've figured it out. I can do this thing. And then he comes to Jesus. What must I do to be born again or to have eternal life? And well, Jesus directs him to the law, directs him to the, to the Old Testament. And see, I'll, I'll get that. I'll, I'll get at that in just a second. So he says, Yeah, well, I've done that. I can do that. What else, what else do I lack? And he says, okay, well, if you can do that, try this. And the thing was, it's not, it's not so much that Jesus was like, okay, well, listen here, hot shot, let me tell you this. It wasn't anything like that. The thing is that this rich young ruler came to the scripture. And instead of allowing the scripture to have its perfect work in his heart, he redefined the scripture. He gave it his own meaning. And so he comes to Jesus in his own strength because of it, in his own ability, the strength of man, the ability of man. And all the Lord is trying to do is just, hey, with man it's impossible. He just wanted to make it evident. It's true, it's reality. He just wanted to make it evident to this person. But when the rich young ruler sees, oh, well, I can't do that, instead of at that moment saying, my God, I can't do it, I must find help in another then. Instead of turning to the Lord in what the Lord can do and what God can do, he went away sad. So the Lord himself brought him to that point to receive reality and then he goes away sad and then there's the disciples i mean it really shook the rich young ruler but it really shook the disciples more because of their comments hey if this guy can't do it if he cannot be saved what about us it's obviously impossible because we can't even do what he did and then the lord makes it real clear with man it is impossible, but not with God. If we come to the Lord with our own strength, with our own ability, we will, without doubt, leave in our own ability and leave in our own strength as well. I did that up until the age of 20. I, I would go down and do the altar calls. Hey, you know, if you want to receive the Lord? Bow your head, pray the prayer. I, I, I did all that. I did all that. I went through the motions. Now, I'm not saying any of that is bad or anything. I'm just saying that the Spirit of God is using all things for the one end, the one good. Okay. Now, back to what I was going to say concerning the Scripture how the rich young ruler went to the Scripture and he kind of, hey, this is what it means, so let me do the deal. That was his concept of the Scripture. Well, Jesus also said this. He said this to the Jews who are devout searchers of the Scripture. He said, I know that you're searching the scriptures because in the scriptures you think you have eternal life. And then Jesus defines the whole purpose of the scriptures by saying this. And the scriptures that you're searching, they testify of me. God gave the scriptures as a testimony of me, Christ himself, of Jesus himself. And then he doesn't just leave it there with saying it's a testimony of me. He doesn't leave it there. He gives the whole purpose of the testimony, the whole design of the testimony, designed of God, and he says this, and you will not come to me. Now, if the thing is of God, it is purposed and designed of God to bring unto nothing less than his Son, reality, nothing less, nothing less. If If a person is not born again, I I say this to cover all bases because everyone around the world is starting to listen to these. If a person is not born again, if their heart by the Spirit of God does not turn unto the Lord where Christ, the Son of God, may appear in their soul, then they have nothing of God. They have nothing of reality because the Son of God is not present. It doesn't matter if they go to church, uh, sing the songs, go down to the altar. I did it. I'm proof that it can happen. And in all that, I found no reality. No reality whatsoever. 20 years. And I'm not going, every once in a while I thought, oh, man, 20 wasted years. No, no. It took 20 years for the Spirit of God to finally get the attention of my heart. And for that, I am eternally grateful. I just wish it wouldn't have taken 20 years, you know. now once being born again the spirit of god is doing no less the spirit of god doesn't change gears on us once we're born again no he continues preparing the ground of our heart the ground of our soul that it yet may again once again turn unto the lord but now it's not so that uh, christ may appear where he wasn't before no now it is so that we may behold the one who is present. The one who is present in the midst. Because remember, now we're born again. Now, we've, now we're reading. Now we're going to church. Now we're studying. Now we're learning. Now we're receiving and we are formulating concepts. Concepts. And God did not create our soul for a concept He created our soul for something real, even more than a thing, His very Son. And nothing less. Nothing less. The verse says, For God so loved the world that He gave, it doesn't say, uh, His message, His teaching, His doctrine, His theology, God's theology of Himself. No, that he gave his only begotten son that he gave his son God created the soul for nothing less than the son himself we uh, as I was mentioning we have our concepts I have my concepts on, every, on, on several terms several terms uh, I've defined my own terms others have defined terms for me but now I know that They are exactly what they are, concepts. And I allow the Lord, even as I'm reading and studying the scriptures, I allow the Lord, because at least now I know the whole end towards which everything is working. So it's like I present everything to the Spirit of God. Take whatever you want of this study, of where you've led me to study and read. Take it all. Use whatever you want to continue preparing the ground of my heart so that you may bring my heart in understanding. From my understanding, which is the understanding of man, unto the understanding of God, which is Christ his Son. That I may know the reality that is present, that I may experience the living God in the person of Jesus Christ. This is what our souls were created for. Nicodemus, I love love the way the scriptures are written. They're so perfect. In every word, it says Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Don't you love that? A, a uh, who was he uh, a member of the Sanhedrin, a member of the, of the of the council, came to Jesus by night. And here, because it's by night, here's all the understanding of man. And um, I know I've got that printed out somewhere in these verses, yeah, I could switch to it there, but I already printed this out. Um, <clears throat> it says, this is John chapter three, verses one through seven. There was a man of the Pharisees. Oh, not only that, he was a Pharisee. You know, it's like you had your average Jew and then you had your Pharisees. They, they're like insanely religiously studiers of the scripture. You know, I, I read somewhere and forgive me, I do not know what commentary it was. I wish I could remember, but I said it a long time ago, and I have it it documented. But it said somewhere that um, that the Pharisees were required to memorize portions of the Old Testament. I mean, required to do that. I can't memorize anything. I mean, if I quote a verse, it's just because the Lord's had it on my heart for some time, and I've been looking at it. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, part of the council. The same came to Jesus, here we go, by night, and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for, here we go, no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And here's Jesus' response. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Because he knew that Nicodemus had a concept And that concept was governing everything he was seeing with his natural eyes. Oh, miracle signs, wonders. It is the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, no. To see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Then it goes on. uh, Verse 7, Jesus answered, "Verily I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God and he goes, uh, marvel not uh, that I say it to you. You must be born again. Born again, it's not like the concept that Nicodemus had because he being a Jew, the Jews had a concept. They had a, they had a concept and they had the phrase born again before the Christians did, if you can believe it. They were the ones who used to go to the Gentiles who were not Jews and said, you must be born again, meaning you must be converted into Judaism. Jew, Jewism. Judaism, I know. Judaism. Judaism, that's it, thank you. Okay, I'm getting worse in my English. And this, is, this is kind of how I am in Spanish. This is just butcher, butcher words left and right. But um, that, was, that was the saying of the time. You, they would tell the Gentiles, those who were not Jews, you must be born again. You must be converted and become a Jew. So here's a Jew, and Jesus tells him, you must be born again. He says, wait, I am a Jew. What do you mean, go into my mother's womb and come out again, a new Jew? No, no. And born again, I think the term again is is like a bad translation personally, it can be translated that, but it's really born from above, born from the beginning, who is Christ himself. And Nicodemus had his concept of the kingdom of God. But praise God that the Lord had drawn him and in his darkness, darkened understanding, he still was drawn into the Lord. And the Lord does not present a new concept. He presents himself because ultimately the kingdom of God is not a thing, people's places, things, events, times. The kingdom of God is a person who is Christ himself. Except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom. He was basically saying, if you're not born again, you cannot see me. Because you think it's all about this when really this is what it's about, this one thing. Uh, Because I am looking at uh, Abram, I'm just going to do this, it's it's the eternal cross above below eternal time. It's an awesome thing uh, that happens at the moment of new birth because it's, it's awesome in, in every shape, form, way possible. You've got, you've got a soul, or excuse me for my vernacular, you have a soul, and that's not one big ol' eyeball. You have a soul. And at the moment of new birth, Christ, who is life, and I like to do it this way, the single seed and increase, I mean, even all this falls short. But what happens at the moment of new birth, uh, remember Jesus said, you must be born again, born from above, born from the beginning, Christ who is the beginning and the end. At the moment of new birth, Christ, who is life, appears in this soul. And immediately when he appears, he just doesn't kind of show up. He completely fills the soul with himself. No room left for anything else. And because he's present in the soul, the soul is now found in union with God. Remember Paul, Colossians chapter 3. He says, seeing then that you are risen with Christ, set your affection on that which is above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then you shall appear with him in glory. Okay, when Christ is made known, all this this union relationship that we we are in will be made evident, you know, to our heart. Okay, um, I just lost track of a verse. But this is what happens at the moment of new birth. And see, you cannot see this with a natural eye. And I'll I'll make this statement, and well, maybe you guys here are gonna agree, the people uh, viewing or listening around the world may say, this guy's out of his mind. I wish I were always out of my mind. My life, as well as the life of the church, is a resurrected life. Because our life is Christ, who is the resurrection. And those viewing will say, you're not in resurrection. But let me say this, you say that because you're viewing with a natural eye and making a natural judgment, which is unrighteous. Our life, the life of the church, is Christ himself, who is the resurrection? Remember Jesus said it he either he 's either true or he is a liar. I am the resurrection, I am the life. Well let God be true and all of us liars. Our life is a resurrected life because our life is Christ. This happens at the moment of the very moment of new birth. See, we were Completely, how shall I say it, in our graves, when one died for all, all died, all remained buried. And then Jesus says this, you know, he's, he's declaring reality because of the cross. He hadn't been crucified yet, but he's still going to declare reality regardless. Because Jesus, when he walked on the earth, did not live and was not governed by that which is below, including time. He lived above In his Father. He says this The day's coming now is when those who are in their graves shall hear the voice of the Son of Man and shall live. And those who hear my voice shall live. Okay? At the moment of new birth, we have, by the Spirit of God, come unto reality, which is Christ Himself. Because Christ has appeared. In our soul. In Col- uh, not Colossians, Corinthians again, it, said, it says this, but whenever the heart shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be removed and the Lord shall appear. And I know that I used to read that and say, when we turn our hearts to the Lord, the scripture doesn't say that. It just, it just says, whenever the heart shall turn to the Lord. Because it should be known that God is going to do this, and not man. That with God is, it is possible, but with man it is continually and always forevermore impossible. So at the moment of new birth, we are found in Christ because Christ himself is found in our soul. That's reality, that's like right now for us who are born again, that is right now. I mean. There is no need to search for reality anywhere else, to listen to the words, soul searching. There's no need for that. If you're born again, you've found everything you were created for in the person of Christ. The thing is, we do not know it. So that's why we continue on, hey, well, you know, maybe i want to do this. I'll try this over here, and uh, that doesn't really work out. Or I want to do this over here, and that doesn't really work out. The Spirit of God remains faithful. Because listen to me, listen, God is the only one who is faithful. Man isn't. Man is faithful to everything below. God is faithful to his son. The spirit of God remains faithful. Jesus said, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. Even now, for us who are born again, the Spirit of God is using all things, even these words, if you can believe it or not, that's pretty wild, you know. uh, it's, It's a miracle in my mind. Using all things for this one end to prepare the ground of our heart, the ground of our soul, so that our heart may turn. Yes, it is our heart. There we go. That our heart may turn, yet. Now it's our heart turning yet, once again. That is, this is true repentance when the heart turns to the Lord and the veil is removed, the veil of ignorance, and we behold the one who is present. Now, the reason why I draw it like this, and it's like, okay, even with the scriptures, let us go up to Zion, lift up thine eyes. I even said it in Colossians where Paul says, you know, set your affection above. Why is this above? I mean, all of a sudden we think, we think, And our concept is, you know, right, up. That's still a concept. It's above as in superior. But see, the heart must turn, or shall I say, the heart must be brought in understanding by the Spirit of God out from the natural realm, out from what, remember what I called this, darkness? Well, I didn't call it that. God calls it that darkness out from this realm of darkness that we think is light it's kind of like man says no i can do it these natural light bulbs are the proof of man's imagination because there was a time there were no natural light bulbs and jesus said this the night cometh when no man can work when nothing can be done and man says we can do it now there wasn't that store at the time but someone helped and eventually we come out with these light bulbs man-made light to try to govern our darkness well it does govern our darkness because it's not light so it is darkness so it's darkness governing our understanding Nicodemus came to Jesus at night but the Spirit of God as I said is the only one who remains faithful Not one of us here in this room, not anybody, not anyone you can see with your natural eye is faithful. Only God. No man can come to me except the Father draw him. No man knoweth the son except the Father. God is the only one who's faithful. And he uses feeble words, feeble testimonies, uh, feeble conversations, feeble things to read so that the Spirit of God may use it to continue to prepare the ground of our heart, the ground of our soul, so that it may turn and behold reality in the face of Jesus Christ. Everything that, we, that our souls were created of God for. Abraham, back with Abraham. Genesis 15, I think I've been there this whole complete year. Uh, that's no biggie. I'm not puffing myself up like, yes, I've been reading Abraham now since 2014. Yes, thank you. No, it's none of that. In fact, I don't... <laughs> I prefer it be a shorter search, maybe like 30 classes tops, like I'm on 82. That's too much. It's too much in my own estimation. But see, at least I know God's end. God's end is not for me to arrive at some level, listen, of higher carnal ignorance. That's, I know that, that's not his end. The Spirit of God has each and every single one of us where we are, when we are, for a why we are. And that why is it so he can, where we are, when we are, continue to prepare the ground of our heart, the ground of our soul for this one expected end that the Spirit of God may prepare the ground of our heart and soul to such a degree that only the Spirit of God may bring our soul, our heart, unless we're born again, our soul's already in reality, but to bring our heart in understanding, because why the heart? The heart is what governs the entire land. Think of it as the capital. Whatever takes place in the capital happens in the entire land. When uh, King Saul was king, ruling, reigning, hey, he was fighting even the people of God. He was fighting the anointed of God. I think he spent more time trying to hound David than the enemies of God. But he sat on the throne, and that's why I say the heart. The heart must turn to the Lord. So, well, during that time, ignorance ruled, reigned. During this time, listen to me, we don't want to hear this, but ignorance rules and reigns as my wife would say, in our precious little heart, (laughs) until, listen, until God himself, in his tender mercy and ever-abounding grace, by his spirit, brings our heart in understanding from the understanding of man, which is complete darkness and ignorance, unto the understanding of God, which is his son that we may experience reality in the face of Jesus Christ because I mentioned that I do want to read just uh, if I can find it commentary and as I stated uh, that's That's why I continue with the story of Abram. Why Abram? I don't know. That's what the Lord chose. And see, that's the whole thing. I don't know my heart. I don't know what it's going to take for my heart to turn. I don't know what it's going to take for your heart to turn either. God knows and God uses all things that are necessary for one end, that we may find reality in the face of Jesus Christ in the very person of his son. God alone can make known his son in our soul. Man cannot do this. Man cannot do this. All man can do is testify. That's it. Testimony. Give a testimony of what he has witnessed. That's it. Man has either witnessed something less than reality, or man, by the mercy and grace of God, has witnessed reality in the face of Christ. But that's all we have, all we have is our testimony. That is, if you will, and it is, that is our light that we shine forth one to another and to the nations. That's the only light we have, the light of the testimony, that's it. I mean, there's no laser beams coming out of my eyeballs. There's nothing like that. That's, That's all our concepts. The only light we have in this respect to share with others is the testimony we bear. The testimony of Christ the testimony of God remember the verse in the Psalms thy word is a lamp unto my feet a light unto my path lamp unto my feet implies motion path implies destination but why a lamp unto my feet a light unto my path because where I'm at is complete darkness a lamp unto my my feet, a light unto my path, directing my heart unto the true light of the world, Christ himself. It's amazing how you read something and how it totally gets lost. Oh, okay. Here it is, right here. Um, I was looking at a passage no and that's not even it oh yeah here it is <laughs> sorry where uh, where Paul describes a man who was caught up into the third heaven and saw things that are not lawful to utter you know <clears throat> but as I, as I said it's like that's where my heart is. I mean, I think it was the beginning of this year, maybe the end of last year. My heart, my own prayers, when the Spirit of God has brought me to such a point, I usually end up praying this. Lord, continue to do whatever it takes in my heart. Based on Genesis chapter 15, bring my heart forth abroad, Lord. Bring it out from. Because in Genesis 15, where it says, Uh, that the Lord brought Abraham forth abroad, all the commentators at least the Jewish ones that I've read will agree and say this the Lord brought Abram out of the natural realm out of the realm of natural sight and natural sound unto reality That's that's what the scripture says, the Lord brought Abram forth abroad and said look now toward heaven and then he says this Count the stars. Count that which fills the heavens. Put a number on the increase of the fullness of the heavens if you can. Try to measure the fullness of the heavens if you can. This is the resurrection. This is the glorified Christ. This is the glorified seed. And I find my own heart at times praying the exact same prayer. Lord, bring my heart forth. Abroad, because my heart is captured by this natural realm that you declare to be darkness. And this happened at night with Abram. It didn't happen during the day. It happened at night. When, when do you see the stars? You see the stars at nighttime. Remember, darkness, darkness, darkness. And the only light there is, is the light found in the heavens so shall your seed be. Not your offspring, no, your seed. Paul picks it up and defines that seed because the Spirit of God defined it in his own heart, that seed which is Christ. Singular. One person. I still can't find that passage. It's all right. But it, um, oh yeah. Yeah. This is, this is Barnes Notes commentary for when he's, uh, for 2 Corinthians uh, 12, verse 2. I'll just, I'll read the verse. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body, uh, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knows. Don't you love that? God knows. God knows. Goes on. Uh... God knows. God knoweth. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. He was caught up into paradise. Paradise isn't like getting back to the garden. No. Uh, paradise represents, and there's there's some Jews who, who I've read commentaries on, paradise represents communion with God. True communion with God. Um, But I'll I'll read the commentary. With with the mode in which it was done, God only could be acquainted. Listen to this. Paul did not attempt to explain that, and I love this. I wish we would do just the same, but unfortunately, the speakers, they want to explain everything and it wouldn't be bad if the explanation was true but truly only god can define only god can explain because god doesn't explain something that happened like oh that happened because of that you know that chair fell down or we prayed for that person because that's not god's explanation or all things work together for the good god's explanation of something god's definition of something is his son and nothing less they are they that testify of me And in another place, Jesus is saying this, you know, he's, I mean, people get on, on different kicks with their concepts of the verses, but Jesus says this, woe to you, Chorazin, because if the works that were done in you were done in Sodom and Gomorrah, it would have still been here to this day. And woe to you, you know, cities over here, because da, 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 da. But all of that going on, because everything that God was doing was for a certain result. God was doing and allowing certain things to happen, all working for the good of one thing. And then he says this, all the miracle signs and wonders that were done there were working towards one end, and you did not repent. Now here's our concept of repentance. God, forgive me for what I've done. That's not repentance. That's just saying you're sorry for something you did. True repentance is when the heart turns to the Lord. That is true repentance. Remember, uh, I think it's in the book of Isaiah. Uh, it, it says, you know, these people, they honor me with their lips. Forgive me for this, Lord. Forgive me for that. I love you, Lord. And then God says this, but their hearts are far from me. True repentance is when the heart Turns to the Lord now it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance one end one end, one expected end one expected goal it's his goodness remember I cannot turn my heart to the Lord the scripture says whenever the heart shall turn to the Lord how many years how long is it going to take for each one of us for me to be born again 20 years Now that we're born again, how long will it be till we behold the reality of God in the face of Jesus Christ? And then when we behold him, how long will it be till we behold him again? Because it's not a one-time deal. Jesus appeared on to to Saul of Tarsus at his conversion. Well, that's that's how he got converted. That's how he got born again. Christ appeared. But he says this. Acts chapter twenty-six, verse sixteen, specifically in the translation of the Syriac Pishito by James Murdoch. It's the most accurate translation I believe there is, because I studied the verse before I found that translation for a very long time, and it says exactly what as he translated it. But he, he says this. Jesus says this to Saul, I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to constitute thee a minister and a witness, and everybody gets all hurrah and minister and witness. And the fact of the matter is, is that we are all ministers of whatever we have witnessed. That's it. See, because our concept of ministry is wrong. Minister, it's just declaring what you know, what governs your heart. Go Bears! I just came out of nowhere. (laughs) I don't even know who's running for the Super Bowl this year. Actually, I don't know any (laughs) year. But see, that's, um, a minister is just one who's giving what they know what they are knowing at the time Saul of Tarsus was knowing his concept and by his concept of the scriptures was wasting the body of Christ of course what he did he did in ignorance so what uh, Jesus says I have appeared unto thee to constitute thee, a minister and a witness. But that he defines it. He just doesn't leave it out there for us to define it ourselves. God will not do that. We do that. God will not do that. God will define reality. And Jesus says this, Minister a witness of this, of the following, Thy seeing me, for it is I who have appeared unto thee, and of thy seeing me from this moment onward. not a one-time thing. And see, I I love this expression, and I'm not sure what type of expression it is, but uh, I use it all the time. We are all, us who are born again, we are all in the same boat. There is no one greater but the Lord. We all need to behold reality in the face of Jesus Christ. My heart has to continue to be prepared by the Spirit of God. Your hearts have to be continued continue to be prepared by the spirit of God for this one expected end the expected end of God and nothing less nothing less and that's why uh, I think it was Paul who also said encourage one another daily or maybe it was some other apostle encourage one another daily and see we look at we look at like Paul or or all the other apostles and we say well yeah man they had it all together they've Figured it out? They followed Jesus? No. In each one of these men, Christ was revealed. They knew what they had received. Peter, John, going into the temple to worship, they see the lame guy. The lame guy, hey, alms, mercy, mercy, do something here. Help. Praise God that Peter and John knew what they had. You know, We don't have treasure of this world to offer you like the others. We have for you an immeasurable treasure that we are knowing, and this we offer unto you. And so they did. And that man, in scripture, that man stood up and entered in. Not to some natural temple, though that is what happened. He entered into the true temple of God because Christ appeared. Christ was offered to this man and he received reality and that had an effect on him. Now, we all want the effects, or we look for the effects. Nicodemus, miracle signs, wonder, it's the kingdom of God. No, it's not. It's not. No. Everything we are looking for is to be found in the person of Christ himself. Nowhere less, nowhere less. And see, God himself is the only one who can give and place in us this desire to even look for him. God does this. We can, in the scriptures, in the Old Testament it says, no man seeketh after God. (laughs) No man looks for God. No man can come to me except for the Father draw him. And the Holy Spirit remains ever so faithful to continue to prepare the ground of our hearts, the ground of our soul, that in understanding for us who are born again, well, okay, for the one who's not born again, so that they may come by the Spirit of God unto reality, that Christ may appear in their soul. Now for us who are born again, that we may come now in knowledge and understanding and wisdom, From the knowledge and understanding and wisdom of man, which is complete, utter darkness, unto the knowledge, wisdom, understanding of God, which is Christ his Son. I'll continue on reading um, here. With the mode in which it was done, God only could be acquainted. Paul did not attempt to explain that. That was... That was to him of comparatively little consequence. He did not lose his time in a vain attempt to explain it. Uh, How happy would it be if all theologians, I love the way he says this, if all theologians were as ready to be satisfied with the knowledge of the fact and to leave the mode of explaining it with God. Because ultimately only God can explain it. And he does it. He explains all things, defines all things declares all things in the person of his son, nothing less. He's faithful to his son. The Father is faithful to his son, and the Holy Spirit is faithful to the son. Remember? God is the only one faithful. Man is not. And if we think we are, God will show us that we're really not faithful at all. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of how long it's going to take for our hearts to be prepared. Okay? Uh, As the prince of theologians was, Uh, And to leave the mode of explaining it with God as the Prince of Theologians was. Many a man have busied himself with a vain speculation about the way in which it was done. Now, listen to this. I love this. Paul was contented with the fact that it had occurred. Now, we don't know our own hearts. We don't know what it will take for the Spirit of God to continue to prepare the ground of our heart so that our heart may turn unto the Lord. We don't know what that'll take. We don't know, listen, there is no formula. There is no, okay, if I do this, if I do this, and if I do this, and if I stop doing this, and stop doing that, and stop saying this, there is no formula. There is no formula. If you want something to do, raise your hands up in the air and say, God, I can't do it. It's impossible with me. Use everything at your disposal to do what you want to do. Not so that I can know what brother or sister so-and-so say or know, no, so that I may know that which you desire me to know, your son. Do whatever it takes, have your way, Lord, You you say, not my will, but thy will be done." right? Cause me to know this one. There's no formula. We can't, plus anyway, we can't drop things. I can't drop things. We can't. I mean, uh, example. Come on, Jimmy, think of an example. I couldn't, okay, I could not drop my love of music, Right? Before I was born again, music was my life. That's what I found to sustain, to hold, to keep my soul together. To keep me together, music, that's what it was for me. God didn't want to take anything from me. No. He just wanted to bring something in that was true, that was real. Not something that was coming and going. You know, I I literally lived by the music I listened to. I existed by that. God didn't wanna take it from me. He didn't want it. He's not the big bad boogeyman trying to take, steal candy away from a baby. He does not do that. What he does, he puts in our hearts a desire for reality because that desire has been placed in our soul when God created it. Eternity is in the soul of man. You read it in the scriptures. A desire to know eternity, it's there. But we try to find it in everything else and we will continue to do that. Try to find meaning. In everything else, until we find it in the person of His Son. And see, I love I love the way Jesus said this. He says something like, "The kingdom of God is like uh, this man who was in a field, and he he discovers a treasure." And I read just recently, and I didn't understand why he had to buy the field, but basically, it's this: if the field wasn't his, and it's usually the the the, the term or the The example was of a servant working for his master in a field. If he finds the treasure and says, hey, here it is, then his master gets the treasure. So that's why this man, when he found the treasure, he kind of like, but then he says this. He goes and he sells everything he has so that he can buy the field, so that he can have what he has found to be of immeasurable worth and value. That only happens when we behold the true treasure, which is Christ himself. That only happens when the Spirit of God has prepared the ground of our heart to such a degree that the Spirit of God has been able to bring our heart to behold the treasure eternal, who is Christ himself. At that moment, hey, this is nothing, that's worthless. Even Paul said it, I, you know, I count all these things as dung. The things that were gained to me, the things that meant something to me, they, whatever gave me stature, meaning, whatever, whatever was something of importance to me, compared to the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, it's dung. It's refuge. Refuse. That's it, refuse. It's poo. Poopy diaper. Yeah, some of you guys understand that one. But it's only after seeing the treasure. And we try to do all these other things and having never seen the treasure, and then it doesn't work out. And then it just becomes a jumping through the hoops and it gets boring and it gets really, is this really what it's all about? But see, even that question, is this really what it's all about? Is the result of the Spirit of God having been preparing the ground of our heart, where God could say, no, I'm glad you asked. Let me show you what it's all about. Directs our heart under the person of Christ himself. So, um, just in closing, with the life of Abraham, I've seen no great miracle, no great wonder, no people getting uh, healed or anything like that. But yet, with his life, we find the example that we should be walking in, which is basically this. If you read this whole entire story of Abraham, you're gonna find a couple of phrases. First is seed, inheritance, which is the land. Seed, heir, inheritance, land, and this one great phrase, the Lord appeared. And that's what it's all about, the Lord appearing and nothing less. And no one convinced me of this. I'm convinced of God in the scriptures and the testimony. And so that's why I remain here, continuing to read the scriptures, continuing to study, because I know that there is an expected end for all of us, that our hearts may turn and behold the reality of God in the face of Jesus Christ and nothing less. That is what it's all about and if our thought is man well that's not there are no fireworks there it's simply because we've not seen him but i thank the lord that he is faithful to his son i thank the holy spirit that he is faithful to continue to prepare the ground of our hearts for this one expected end so just with that all in closing i'll just uh, pray that he would continue Lord, I just just ask, just even with what's shared, I, I thank you, Lord, that you are faithful unto your Son. We are not faithful, Lord, but you remain faithful. You are forever faithful unto your Son, Lord God, and I just pray that you would use everything and anything for the good, Lord, that you would draw our hearts, prepare the ground of our hearts, and cause our hearts to turn by your Spirit to behold everything that you've created us to behold, in the person of your son, Lord, that we would find everything you've created us to find in the person of your son, Lord, and that we would not be satisfied with anything less. God, I ask you would do this in Jesus' name, by your spirit, amen. Uh, and those are, if you will, those are my own prayers that I pray often unto the Lord.